everybody. Welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping Keep it, it Real. It's Jim Vavita, joined by Chris Carl. Hello, everybody. Who sat out last week. I did, sadly. But we had Eric Oldman with us. He brought his he, energy and his wit. He brought the funk. He did bring the funk. Did you bring the noise? I tried to bring the noise. I may have brought too much noise. Uh-oh. I don't know. But did we bring the funk and the noise to our box office predictions? Did you keep it real, so to speak? You know, I was off a little bit. Let's. Eric and I both um, chose the possession for opening in uh, number in the top spot. It did indeed. I thought it would make fourteen million. Eric thought it would make thirteen million. Its actual retail price for the three-day weekend. Yes, it was a holiday, but I'm not going to go through all that four-day no, bullshit. No. Uh, 17.7 million overperformed as they say in the biz. And then we both thought Lawless would be in second place. I thought it would make 11. Eric thought it would make 10. It actually made 10 million. So Eric Goldman nails that Ooh, one. I was a little bit off. Circle gets a square. I thought the Avengers was good since it was re-released in in uh uh theaters last week that it would do much better than it did. It did not well it's made. It's it's made yeah. plenty. It's don't, not like it, it's not worry. like it's an embarrassing but movie. Expendables three was uh, actually in third place. Expendables two. Uh, Expendables two. Yeah, in third place, it made nine million. Goldman thought it would make eight million. I also thought it would make eight million, but be in fourth place. But the real the real news is what didn't do well, and that was a little movie called. The Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. Okay, so... <laughs> so this is like a complete made-up friggin' thing from oh. the quote-unquote marketing visionary behind Teletubbies and Thomas the Tank Engine, or Thomas the Train Engine. Thomas the Tank Engine... It would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's like the Expendables for kids' movies. All of a sudden, like a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I'm driving to work, and littered all over Hollywood, all over the... the I, I drive right through Hollywood, right past Man's Chinese every morning, which often results in me being late to work because Man's Chinese <laughs> is always shutting that street down, Hollywood Boulevard. Um, but anyway, be that as it may, all of a sudden, all these billboards, all these... Um, you, you know, you get a lot of, in L.A., a lot of the posters repeated on those... On those oh, uh, yeah. The, the wheat-pasting posters everywhere. So you see, like, rows and rows and rows of these posters. All of a sudden, Oogie Loves started showing up. And I'm like, I've never <laughs> heard of this thing before. Is it big? Am I just not in touch with the kids? <laughs> I guess nobody's heard of it before. No, um, uh, I forgot who it was that was saying that their kid could tell that it was, that it was bull. They're like... These aren't real. These aren't real characters. Basically, they're trying to sell it to them as, you know, you love them. And it's like, no, horseshit. doesn't <laughs> exist. I know that. I'm five and I can smell your bull. <laughs> and I don't believe it. It's true. It's never existed before. So what was the play here? Like The they were play gonna... was basically the, because the thing – here, here let's, let's give the folks at home some, uh, some context here for, for how bad it did. It is now uh, the worst wide release uh, ever. Uh, it out Delgo Delgo Ooh. did worse than Creature. It made something like two hundred and eighty bucks uh, a screen, <laughs> and it opened up uh, over two thousand screens, and it cost twenty million to make. But the producer, the marketing visionary, as he likes to call himself, <clears throat> did an interview that Monday. You know, the post mortem, and he was putting a great positive spin on there, saying. We did exactly exactly what we wanted. We're on the radar now. And when it comes to home video, we're going to clean up. And it's like, buddy, well, nobody how... is nobody's going to want to know about that. Oh, man. Ned Flanders. Huddly doodly. <laughs> I'm eh, awful. Well, it's just, first of all, they... they, they made up uh, little, you know, catchy things. Like, it, w it was opening up in August, not August, August 29th. <laughs> Oogie loves everyone. Oogie I, loves failure. That's I, what Oogie loves. I kind of ooh, nice. I kind of want to have a screening of it here now. I kind of want to. Telling you, this could be the birdemic for kids' yeah, movies. That Blu-ray comes but out. Here's the other thing: all the people that were in that movie: Chaz Palminteri, Christopher Lloyd, Cloris Leachman, Jamie Presley, um, Tony Braxton. Wow. Uh, who the hell cashin, am I leaving out? Cashin. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, it's just a, it's just a, <laughs> wow. an embarrassment of 
of embarrassments. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say of riches, but no, it's it's really not. But, you know, uh, Chaz Palminteri plays like this ice cream guy. And he sings at one point. It's just, it's, it's friggin' terrible. Now we've spent more time talking about Oogie Love than we've spent talking about Oogie like... Love's Rises. You know, <laughs> so I want to, I want the 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 trilogy to be complete. Uh, I just, it it makes me sad. It does. Well, you know what? It could be worse. It could have been your twenty million. But That's this true. guy did went to like CinemaCon and did this whole song and dance for it. You know, wine and dine people through a big party. Had a real presence at the show, and guess he didn't wine and dine them enough. He should have. Well, I was going to say he should have wine and dine children, but then be on a, a list somewhere for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you want some candy? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why people aren't gravitating to, towards my movie. I'm driving around town in this van. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, news-wise, uh, this week, not not a huge genre movie news week. Not like weeks past. Not been enormous. But uh, some of the big stuff uh, happened over the weekend, and they finally announced, officially announced, the titles and release dates for the now last two Hobbit movies, a trilogy, rather than just the two movies. Not a quadrilogy yet. Not not yet, but we'll see. It's it's it only happen. 2012. Yeah. We still have two more years <laughs> of this. Uh, so the second film, uh, the first movie, of course, Hobbit Unexpected Journey, The Unexpected Journey, opens up December 14th. The second film, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Smaug. You're supposed to say, I was informed by the studio, you're supposed to say every letter syllable. So Smaug. <laughs> so we got... Reagan, oh man! Over uh, another two years, and smoke. <laughs> You're gonna remember. Remember the odd couple when Jack Lemmon was trying to clear his sinuses. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. There we go. So the desolation of smoke. Smoke opens December thirteenth, twenty thirteen, and then a shorter window between the second and third movies. The third film, The Hobbit: There and Back Again, opening up July eighteenth, twenty fourteen. So. Smart move to basically make the the Hobbit, which uh, the Lord of the Rings movies were always end of the year yeah. uh, Oscar contenders, make it a, a summer temple. Yeah, and you know we've talked about this before, but uh, Warner's no longer has Harry Potter. Yeah, no kinda longer has kind of need a movie that Batman character. Um, so yeah, we need a movie to to bridge that gap or warner's does we don't we yeah we, we do but we don't yeah it's the hobbit movie we we get but don't deserve or or something um i was just gonna say that's probably the most um often parodied quote that yeah. i'm the sickest of yeah they need to like uh retire that jersey hanging up in the geek <laughs> rafters um Starting with me not using it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's see some other news that came out this week. Uh, well, rumors because let's let's admit it. We sometimes traffic in that. We we do talk rumors. Iron Man three. There is a rumor that uh, the movie will see Tony Stark deploying up to or maybe even over forty sets of uh, suits of armor, basically using them. Is is essentially drones in a massive battle by the end of the movie. Um, awesome or overkill? I think Iron Man, since two is kind of a little underwhelming, and you can even say that the um, the the a lot of people said the climax of one was a little felt a little small for that movie. Um, I think it needs a. I think three needs a big. Yeah. Set piece at the end of the movie, especially coming off of Avengers. Too. Yeah, I, I th- so I think that sounds pretty cool to me. Um, you know, there was a, a couple of amazing bullshit rumors going around online today, <laughs> and those are my favorite kinds—the ones that really reek, like a you know a, a restroom at the public library. <laughs> You know, you know it's the worst. I used to work at McDonald's, and uh, well, enough said. When I was, <laughs> when I was sixteen, and I have to say, you know, men get a bad rap for really stinking up the joint, but there was no worse job at McDonald's <laughs> than cleaning up the women's restroom. I swear to God, oh I don't know God. what if it was my area or what, but the women <laughs> of Central Wisconsin could not keep that restroom clean. Oh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Too Sorry much to cheese there in Wisconsin. There you Sorry go. to digress. So a couple of the, the my favorite bullshit rumors are that uh, now we knew that they're, they're developing a Lobo movie, right? Yeah. And that Dwayne Johnson might play Lobo. Uh, 
one rumor is that Lobo, as played by Dwayne Johnson, could show up in the Justice League of America movie. I don't know if he'd be on the team or or uh, an enemy. Uh, what do you what do you think of that idea? Let's say there's some kernel of truth. I don't actually know so much about Lobo, so I, I don't You'd know. You probably how... hate him since he's one of those '90s guys like Cable oh, and, and and Gambit. Yeah, I mean, of his look, you know, Cable, Bishop, Gambit, all those fools. Lobo has that kind of look, so yeah, yeah, I probably would hate him. But I don't know that much about him, so I don't know how he fits into JLA that much. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily would, but it's the idea of introducing this character. And let's let's face it. Dwayne Johnson is the guy you send in to your franchise to give it the much-needed boosts. Dwayne Johnson in a comic book movie, especially something like JLA, that's kind of your your safety net. Although he's going to be covered up in makeup. Yeah, but I mean, I I think he's got his own he's got his own you know following, so it'd be cool. We have a reader email from Jason Levy, or. Yeah, I think it's Levy. He says, Hi guys, since Army Hammer had been cast as Batman for a JLA movie in the past, when George Miller was attached to the project, do you think Warner Brothers would go back to Hammer as the next Batman? Because there was that Batman rumor that Batman right. was going to get introduced in JLA and then spin out. What do you think of Army Hammer's Batman? Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I had the opportunity to meet him at a, a Blu-ray event a couple of years ago for The Social Network, and we, we he was kind enough to sit there while he was trying to squeeze in dinner and just talk to me throughout his dinner. And we talked about that because I was just nerding out about it. <laughs> and, man, he was so enthusiastic for that. And, and this had been a few years awesome. since all that. And he was so, like, gung-ho for that project. And just the way he was raving about the costume and the look of it, like, this dude really wants to do it. I think he's he's a good actor. And, like Bruce Wayne, he's actually a six-plus, you know, tall uh, billionaire right. industrial heir. You know, I mean, he is Bruce Wayne, you right. know. Um, he just needs the tragedy. Yeah. Uh, We're I not going to go do the, that. The tragedy him. is that he was in Mirror, Mirror. <laughs> you know? So that's, you, you You go to that place, Army, when you need to. Poor Army. When you need to cry. I agree that he is a good choice for Batman, especially my conception of JLA is more of an Avengers take, more of a lighthearted romp, you know. I think that's probably what they're going to do with that movie. Yeah, um, four quadrant kind of thing. Yeah, and then I think Batman spinning out of that doesn't need to be as dark. Um, and I think Army Hammer is a good person for that role. Yeah, I mean he has the uh, he has the acting chops, he has the right look, he's got a great voice, you know, and people know who he is. Now here's the thing: he is, he's, they'll he's, know him more next year after Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah. Um, but here's the thing: I mean, what if Lone Ranger tanks? I mean, he'll have a bit of a stink on him, but not as much as say Johnny Depp or Jerry Bruckheimer. You could bring Taylor Kitchen to do it. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, Taylor. Because everybody wants that. Sorry, um, Taylor. So I think, yeah, I agree with the uh, the suggestion of Army Hammer being brought in for for Batman. Um, Thanks, Jace Dog. No, <laughs> now here's a uh, another uh, uh, probably completely bullshit rumor, but one I hope is true, and um, it claims that Viggo Mortensen will pop up. As Doctor Strange and the Thor sequel. I love the specificity of this rumor. I like how it's like, and it'll be Viggo Mortensen, and he'll be in Thor too. It's, it strikes, <laughs> and it, he'll be wearing fuchsia. It's exactly like one of those like fanboy concoctions that you have, where you're like, this would be excellent, and then uh, and yeah. then you put it out there. Yeah, I mean, but you know that Nick Fury, the Sam Jackson did a cameo as Nick Fury thing, smelled a lot like that too at one yeah. point. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, Vigo would be great for Doctor Strange. Maybe you do something like that with Doctor Strange. Have him pop up as sort of, um, you know, maybe that's the conduit between the worlds or something. Well, I mean, he, you know, Thor treads that line of magic and cosmic and all that stuff, which Doctor Strange sort of is in, too. He's more on the sort of uh, mystical realm. Um, But... I think I think that's actually even if it is fanboy speculation, I think that's not a bad way to handle Doctor Strange. Yeah. And not only that, I think Viggo Mortensen is kind of a, a brilliant casting choice. He really is, and he's uh, he's well known. 
uh, he, he fits the kind of the mold of the people they get, you know, yeah. somebody who's known, but not too well known. Somebody who's, you know, um, oh, wait, that was that guy from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. You liked him in this yeah. and we can afford him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he also I mean, he's he's the right type for that character. Yep. So I hope it's true. I hope it's true. It's probably just complete not a bowl but it's 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 a shit sandwich i'll gladly eat (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so uh speaking about mcdonald's (laughs) exactly there you go there's that bathroom problem this Uh, is probably the most uh feces obsessed podcast scatological keeping it scatological here (laughs) exactly um so Haley Atwell, who played peggy carter in the captain america movie was asked if she's coming back for the sequel and she was pretty coy about it, uh, but she sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, basically saying, I don't think that's out there yet, kind of response that she gave. What do you mean? She doesn't uh, think that information is out there? Or? Yeah, that people know that she's coming back or, yeah. or not. I mean, if she if she comes back, it could be something as simple as, um, I don't know if they would cast her to play, you know, the old Peggy Carter, why waste money on makeup when you can just get... Some yeah. octogenarian actress to, yeah. to play her. Nice use of octogenarian. Um, what, what's the, somebody in their 90s? Uh, uh, a nonagenarian? Uh, damn it. Isn't that it? Probably. Nonagenarian sounds like a plant. <laughs> you know? Did anybody water my nonagenarian? <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> it's because it was a nonagenarian. Oh, grandma. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, I think. You know, Haley Atwell being brought back, I think the the less is more with her character because I th- she needs to stay the one that uh, the the tragic kind of unrequited love in his life. I agree. Life. I think he needs to have that, you know, as part of his uh, sort of tragic past. And, and I, I especially think she, since Bucky's not really dead. Yeah, she could she could bring him, you know, she could be brought back for flashbacks as well. Because I feel like their whole relationship wasn't that fleshed out. Yeah. Um, but maybe you did see every moment they had together on screen. I It was probably my favorite uh, romantic relationship in the Marvel produced movies. I felt like it was the, it was, I, 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 I liked her. I th- I thought that she yeah. she was not you know she wasn't a damsel in distress, um, and yet she wasn't uh, you know too much of a male fantasy wish fulfillment kind of thing of like right. somebody in tight leather with you know nunchucks. Right, right. You know what I mean? Which uh, is, by the way, I don't know what dudes are out there lusting after that. But it's, yeah, it's I not... want I want a hot chick that will completely <laughs> kick my ass. Yeah. yeah, you guys are messed up. Um, I, you know, one thing I'll say is, uh, is you know, I, I think, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think they can do too much more with that character without making it bad. Yeah. I think if they, I think if they mess with it. They're going to mess with that delicate balance that they set up in the first movie. But I also think they're smarter than that. I don't think they yeah. are going to play with it too much. Well, um, I'm curious to see, you know, it, it, it starts filming early next year. Thor 2 is, uh, Thor The Dark World is, is filming now. Uh, I, I am wondering if there will be any seeds sown between these different films for Avengers 2. Um, if they do something like that, though, are they... Is it going to get too gimmicky where, you know, kind of like in the comics where it's you have to buy every issue to, like, follow the, the massive storyline they have plotted out? Or can you can you skip a Thor 2 or a Cap 2 and still go see Avengers 2 and it'll all make sense? I think that's how they have to approach those movies. But, yeah. I mean, I, here's the thing, though. Iron Man 2 relied on Iron Man 1. You had to see Iron Man 1 really to understand everything that was going on in 2. Um but I, so I think they can keep it like you have to have seen the movies prior. But I don't want it to be like you have to have seen Avengers. I mean, you might. It, it's nice to get those little nods in there. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. yeah, you know, if you've seen it, this will make more sense. Oh, you know, one thing I wanted to say also about romances in Marvel movies. I thought I actually think the Pepper Potts one in, um, it, you know, that's developed over time, but was you know sort of the playful little romance going on in Avengers is really good. And I think that is a sort of perfect. She's kind of like the perfect foil for Tony in that, you know, yeah. the perfect um, companion. So I actually like how they handle romance in general, I think, in the Marvel movies. I feel like they do give them enough time to sort of, um, you know, you, you get to care about these these people uh, and that there is something at stake. It's not simply just... 
the hero has to rescue the girl, which is, you know, completely old, tired idea. I mean, I know it's just, it's part and parcel of, you know, kind of hero storytelling, but, um, Marvel, Um, Marvel does do a, a pretty good job of, of all that, you know, the Batman, Nolan's Batman movies, um, uh, I did feel like the uh, they were able to kind of avoid that a little bit, with the exception of um, they kind of played on that a little bit with Rachel and Dark Knight, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, uh, blowing her the hell up, you know? <laughs> so, and of course, uh, just eliminating her from the equation. Yeah. Um, one more thing on Marvel movies, uh, and we don't talk about Blu-ray stuff here very often, but um, the big massive Marvel Blu-ray pack was supposed to come out. September 25th, along with Avengers, um, and then we found out, oh, it's going to be delayed because legal department didn't check into the case that it was going to be delivered in, and so there's this whole lawsuit. Now, today it looks like it's still going to come out, but it's going to come out later um, and in the spring, uh, so we're going to have to wait a little bit for that full set, which is kind of crappy. How peeved do you think, you know, say somebody like Feige or, or any of the marketing people are that something as simple as getting clearance on the design of the of the case. I don't know. It's 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 kind of a head scratcher because you think those guys normally have things so buttoned up and and normally, you know, they just they have people for that. So it's 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 I think it's a huge sort of fumble because. Now everybody's, what, going to get Avengers, and they probably have the other Blu-rays, but this is going to be a really cool thing, especially if you didn't have Avengers. Maybe they were only, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm kind of losing my voice, maybe they were only going to get Avengers with the box set. I That was kind of how I was thinking about it. I have some of those movies, but I was like, it would be really cool to have that box set. Um, so I wasn't going to buy Avengers, but I don't know. Now, now I'm kind of like, I don't know if I really am going to shell out again for all those movies, which I already have. Although, there's some really cool artwork on the inside. But is that the only thing that's going to be different, is the artwork on the inside? Or the the discs that are going to be in the box set going to have additional content that you can't get otherwise? Yeah, I mean, that I don't... I don't know what's all in yeah. the set, but I, I think um, I think it's it sucks for them. <laughs> it sucks for you know it was like going to be a big Blu-ray event. Now it's not. Well, this is the kind of legal snafu I would expect of Warner Brothers. <laughs> you know where it's yeah. like, oh my God, you didn't clear that tattoo. Oh my God, we don't own the rights to Watchmen. <laughs> oh my God, we... <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Guess we'll go get those back from Fox at the last minute. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of a uh, comic book movie Blu-rays, there was a rumor making the rounds uh, a couple of days ago that the Dark Knight Rises Blu-ray release will include a director's cut. Now, this is being poo-pooed, just to keep with the scatological bent, uh, <laughs> by some saying the director's cut was the one that was released because it's Nolan and he has that kind of Final cut, say. Yeah. But, um, I mean, what would you think about uh, a Dark Knight Rises director's cut? Do you think that, you know, it's an already a long movie, but the sequence that, you know, everyone's chomping at the bit for would have been uh, reportedly the the Bane origin sequence. I don't care about that, honestly. I think I, I think that movie could use a little less Bane, actually. A little, uh, like we've said this before, but I feel like it gets a little bloated in this sort of city siege. They could have probably trimmed that and made that a little tighter, but, you know, in that section, which would have made, I think, the movie snap by a little better. Um, I don't really need more stuff in that cave either, so... <laughs> you mean the prison? Or? The, yeah, the prison. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is <laughs> do, just Do you a want giant... the Blu-ray box set to have evolution of a mumble on there? <laughs> but like that, that would actually be interesting of like dealing with the audio of all that yeah. and just fess up to it and be like, yeah, you know, look, we didn't expect that kind of blowback and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they I mean, won't probably. It's really, uh, you know, we talked about this before, but it's really odd to me that, that it made it to that stage where people had to call it out because I feel like, Nolan is super, super anal about sound, and uh, it, it's just odd to me that that didn't. I have a feeling occur. the movie was far more rushed than people think. Huh? You know, like that that could explain some of the the issues that people have had with it in terms of the the storytelling and pacing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I bet you, I bet you, we'll we'll hear some stories about like how down to the wire it yeah. probably was. Um, Dark Knight Rises actually passed a billion dollars at the box office. Avengers is now at 1.5 billion, so that's why it was re-released in the theaters just to give it that 
that bump uh, to hit 1.5 billion. Um, somebody's bonus relies on that. Or exactly. Like, Kevin Feige's like, my God, I want that houseboat, and I want it now. You get $200 million extra. <laughs> um, now, Avatar 4. Hold your horses on that one, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the game plan is still to shoot two and three back-to-back. Four is a big maybe. Maybe we'll do one. Maybe we won't, but it's not going to be part of the back-to-back shoot, according to producer John Landau. I'm thinking, why don't you just scrap the whole damn thing? And I liked Avatar. But I'm like, I don't really need to return to Pandora unless you're really going to bring me a, to a, a new aspect of that world or a new kind of conflict that they have to face. I mean, do yeah. a, you know, have a civil war so we can meet some of the other species, maybe. Well, I'm Chris Carl, and I really liked Avatar, so I really can't <laughs> wait for a sequel, and hopefully they make four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, give them a mop, send them to the ladies' room. Um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. They the... should just get Blue Man Group and just save a bunch of money. <laughs> That's right. Now, I'm waiting for the, the uh, Asylum to do that, that the Mockbuster yeah. company. That's their avatar. They just hire those guys. Um, Dawn of the Planet... Uh, Dawn of, I guess it's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, or is it just Dawn of the Apes? I forget. But it's the sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Just sounds like some chick named Dawn. <laughs> yeah, Dawn of the Apes, <laughs> of the Lancaster Apes. <laughs> um, is uh, it's not going to have the time travel kind of aspect that the that the other uh, some of the other Planet of the Apes movies had. Uh, Seth, the screenwriter. Um, because you know the 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 sort of evolution of that whole world has been sped up now because of the events in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. You know, in the original movie, of course, it's the year three thousand or four thousand, something like that. <clears throat> so, apes kind of almost naturally evolved. Right. So now they've been unnaturally sort of their evolution has been sped up thanks to that handy dandy miracle gas. Yeah. Um, and. Um, which was probably just crystal meth. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's a little Walter White. <laughs> yeah, a little, you Special. Know, Walter crystal White. Crystal persuasion. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think it, it, I think it's interesting to sort of, maybe it'll place the, the dawn, if you will, of the ape civilization much closer to our time. And we see maybe the, how these two different societies are competing for, for dominance or at least what's left after the the plague outbreak at the end of the first movie. As long as they keep women in fur bikinis and cages <laughs> after the dawn, then I think we're I yeah. Think we're I think set. it's the Laconia Motorcycle <laughs> Festival. I think it's called Easy Rider. That or what's the what's the outlaw biker skin mag kind of things? Uh, Easy Rider, right? Yeah, maybe those were like the uh, the blue collar kid poor kids uh you know playboy where it's like you know that you just see really ugly women with nasty breasts and they have tattoos but it's like well they're new chicks and i don't think the people sold in the magazines realize these are dirty because they just have motorcycles on the cover uh, yeah yeah i would hang out at the smoke shop yeah, after school say, because I the think, bus stop was there and I so think, was the comic book store i think you got a lot more experience than I, think, I think i do um <laughs> james bond Daniel Craig, the the rumor is that he is uh, finalizing a deal to appear in a total of five James Bond films. Skyfall, of course, is his third one. So this would bring him up through Bond 25. Nice. Um, so you're happy with uh, another couple of outings from Daniel yeah, Craig as Bond? Yes. I actually think Skyfall is going to be pretty awesome. Um, and so then I... I I'm, of course, I'm extrapolating to think that <laughs> Skyfall is going to be awesome, and then the next two movies are going to be really awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think uh, I'm obviously happy with it, but uh, he he looks a little old already, and he's only in his early 40s. Nobody looks as old as Roger Moore did. So by the end, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're going to well, be Roger okay. Moore did seven movies, and he was. I want to say he was like. 56 or pushing 60 by the time that last one yeah. rolled around. So he, I mean, Daniel Craig is always going to look better than Roger Moore in the last. <laughs> what was his last movie? It was uh, Living... Kill. Oh, yeah. Yep. Living Daylights was Timothy Dalton. Then. Dalton's first one, yeah. Um, Who, so, we both agree, was a great Bond. I, I underutilized. You know I, I, I loved him as Bond. I actually recently interviewed John, uh, John Rhys Davies, you know, who 
was in license to uh, in Living Daylights with uh, Dalton, and of course you know him as Sala from the Indiana Jones movies and as Gimli from Lord of the Rings, and he um, he you know he agreed with my thought that uh, you know they were trying to do with the Dalton films what the Daniel Craig films finally got right, which was bring it back to a harder edge Bond, but make it more kind of uh, espionage intrigue driven. Uh, yeah. Harder edged. Um, the the thing I think both Dalton and Craig have in have in common as Bond, outside of you know the serious actor intense thing, is I don't feel that the that humor is their strong suit right, in right. the role. Um, I think Craig's a little maybe maybe a little better with it now than he was initially, um, but I feel like his one liners kind of they seem almost too throwaway sometimes and the thing with dalton was he never felt comfortable with sort of the the romantic angle of it i feel like um i i feel like craig doesn't want to wink at the camera too much you know he just wants to there's there's that i there's that idea in acting of you just want to say some things you know you don't want to like put any flourish on it because then it's drawing too much attention to this flashy line. Yeah. Like if you're going to deliver that line in real life, you would just say it under your breath or something. But I think Daniel Craig plays that really, really seriously. He would, he, so he should play it as the passive-aggressive mumble <laughs> under his breath bond? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> he, should play it, he should play it as Charles Nelson Riley and look right at the camera and go, Shocking! Wow! <laughs> Have amazing. his little ascot on or something. But I think, I think you're right. I think... The you know not, nobody has ever sort of come up to the level of Sean Connery in terms of like being charming and being able to sort of deliver those lines and deliver that performance that you know is sort of the template for Bond as we know him. Yeah. Um. So when you think that things like humor are lacking, it's really what you're saying is Sean Connery nailed it. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, I thought, was pretty good with that stuff. That's true. Um. I, I think he lacked a certain weight. He had he, he didn't have the toughness, so uh, I feel like Daniel Craig has the toughness, and uh, Pierce Brosnan had the charm factor, and those kind of were combined in Sean Connery. Yeah. But I actually prefer Daniel Craig for this, you know, for this period of time. I feel like Daniel Craig as Bond is perfect. Yeah. Now, if he does do another couple of films, that's probably at least five years more yep. of that. Um, wouldn't that seem to rule out some some guys that could be up for the role of Bond now? Like, wouldn't Fassbender maybe be too old by that point? He'd be probably about 40 by the time that, or over 40 by the time that opportunity would arise. Yeah, and honestly, I think Fassbender is now starting to be involved in so many franchises that yeah. you kind of don't want him as Bond. He's going to be in the X-Men franchise. He's going to be in the Assassin's Creed franchise. He's going to be in, yeah. you know... In, if they make another Prometheus. Prometheus, which they probably will make a second yeah. one. Um, and then, you know, I know Christian Bale has said in the past he'd be interested in it, or Tom Hardy. Um, both of those guys, again, would be early 40s by the time this rolls around. So I don't want they, either of them as Bond either. Really? Like, yeah, I don't want no, I, I think don't Tom Hardy would be interesting. Yeah, I definitely don't want Christian Bale. Tom Hardy might be interesting, but I don't know. He doesn't strike me as Bond. But I guess Daniel Craig didn't really either yeah. at the beginning. Well, I mean, uh, I guess what I'm saying is whoever ends up being the me- next Bond probably isn't even on our radar yet. Unless True. it's somebody like a Henry Cavill who is up for the role. Logan Lerman. <laughs> yes, Just Logan Lerman. Daniel Radcliffe Just is. I haven't said his name in a while. <laughs> Lerman. Logan Lerman. Uh, Logan Lerman. <laughs> It sounds like some sort of, you know, German sweat. German sweat? <laughs> yeah, swear, like, oh. look at Lemon! Max That just means go fast. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm just... I'm just... Scheiße means shit, though. I don't I know if know. you knew that. No, I knew that. My sister's actually fluent in German. In keeping she, with the She theme. taught me how to count to ten in German, and, uh, like, names for different things. Like, Grosselöffel is like Big Spoon. <laughs> yeah. So I know that. So if I'm ever in Germany and need a ginormous spoon for soup, 
I'm okay. One I got it covered. One of my favorite interview memories of all time is I covered the red carpet for Beer Fest, and I did it, <laughs> and I did it while drinking beer. So I I brought a nice. <laughs> I, dr- I brought a twelve pack. I I didn't know if I was going to be able to get away with it, but I brought a tw- twelve pack of beer, and with each person I had plastic cups, and so with each person I interviewed, I handed them a plastic cup of beer, and we slammed it, and then I did the interview. <laughs> And so it was Paps, too. It was too. a long night, I'm yeah, sure. It was. I was so I was so wasted. <laughs> I drank like six beers in like 45 minutes, I think. <laughs> <It was, laughs> anyway, wow. so um, I was interviewing Jürgen Prock now, and uh, obviously famous, famous German actor from yeah. Dust Boat and, you know, many other things. Um, and uh, so we sang the, the German uh, drinking song on I'm pros it, and um, it was awesome. Dude. Is that on video for me to oh, enjoy? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna like, have to look that up now. I'm, Everybody, run to YouTube, try and look up Chris Carl Beer Fest Jurgen Prock now. Yeah, ein pros it, ein pros it, der Gemüklichkeit, ein pros it, ein pros it, der Gemüklichkeit, ein zwei drei, and then you drink. Wow. Yeah. You you learned that in, in, in growing up and everything? Or? Oh yeah. I learned well I, I took like six years of German. Oh, okay. So that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to drink in any language. <laughs> exactly. You're that's like true. the uh, universal translator of booze. It's true. Um let's see. Uh Redemption of the Redemption of Cain. Will Smith's uh Cain and Abel uh, biblical epic is moving forward, but here's the thing. Doesn't there sign? It's, it's a biblical perfect. epic. Do you say that again? What? Say, well, here's the thing again. Just like, well, here's the thing. You sounded just like Jim Kirk right then. <laughs> My God, man. <laughs> Amazing. <Bones. laughs> um, it's going to have Spock. vampires in it. Spock. <laughs> Scotty. You got to add an E in front of Spock every time. A Spock. A Spock. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of, yeah. Wait. So sci-fi. Human. <laughs> so there's a sci-fi element. There's, there are vampires. Vampire element. Yeah. So I'm going to refer to it as Will Smith's vampire Bible epic. Is it because in the beginning of the Bible, everybody lived to like 800 years old? I guess so. I guess I don't quite get it. Um, you know, it's 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 an odd choice. Yeah, uh, quite odd. And we'll see how that pans out. But they're going to reportedly start filming it next July. They're going to film in London, Morocco. Interesting. And he is producing it. There, you know, there's and like star. this. There's this uh, sort of connective tissue between that and True Blood. True Blood and is, I Am Legend, like, maybe actually developed. You know, sort of the vampire Bible over this last season with the authority and there's this whole vampire religion going on there. So it's almost like, uh, I see what you're, yeah. Then no. I am legend is not, does not make any sense of that. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. No, but that's okay. But no, never, never. yeah. Um, going on back. let's see here. Uh, safe house two is going to happen. They're working on the script now. The same guy, David Guggenheim, who wrote the original next is working on it. Yep. <laughs> uh, Robocop, the director, Jose Padilla has denied reports of, uh, uh, struggles in the production. He says we, you know, we meet our adversities with good humor and some shit. I mean, uh, the thing is, he's a liar. Of course, he's going to say that. Every, every. Um, I'm not saying the guy's a liar. I'm just saying every. I'm just single, saying he's a liar. Every single movie <laughs> set is fraught with peril. You know, you don't yeah. you don't get through a movie with just like you know puppy dogs and rainbows. There's always adversity, and it's just how you you, you choose to to deal with it. You're never going to come out against the studio and be like, yeah, he's right. It's hell. Studio's bearing down on me. You know, like you're going to have to make a statement about that. Um, and then, yeah, that's well, the statement he made. Uh, moving on from that, God of War. The movie has yeah, yeah. been in development for a while now. Uh, uh, IGN interviewed um, the writers last week, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton, and uh, who also worked on Piranha 3 D, And they were talking about, at length actually with us, uh, our writer Max Nicholson got a very good interview with them. And they talked about uh, essentially the challenges. And they loved the original draft by Dev itself, the guy who did Road to Perdition in 13 Days. But that it had been sitting on the shelf for so long that all these other sword and sandal epics that came along since, like um, I guess like Clash of the Titans, movies like that, essentially poached a lot of those ideas. Right. So they're trying to basically um, spruce it up a bit uh, from his draft, sprucing it up to try and not 
make it look like they're borrowing from films that were already made. I think that happens a lot, actually. Yeah. I think, you know, for these things that sit around forever. Well, Looper, actually, I can talk about now. Uh, my review for the movie is up. Looper bears a strong resemblance to a project that has been in development over a decade called Gemini Man, or a.k.a. just Gemini. And it was, it, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer was developing it for a long time at Disney. Uh, a bunch of different people have been attached or associated with it throughout the years. But it was about an older assassin who is being hunted by his younger self, but who's a clone. It's not a time travel thing. And um, the idea was to, and this was before Tron Legacy and X-Men Last Stand, was to take uh, an A-list action star who would have been older. Uh, they were looking at guys like Mel Gibson or Harrison Ford or even John Voight at one point, and then digitally de-age them. Wow. Uh, and, you know, obviously Tron Legacy ended up doing that with Jeff Bridges, and that was, you know, the Terrible. all the... Yeah, it was. <laughs> there were some shots where it worked, but it, it looked a little too goofy. But um, Looper, basically the same idea, but they did it much cheaper way uh, by having two different actors. Um, I really liked Looper. I thought it was a very good movie, a very smart, understated sci-fi film. Uh, but I think I never, as good as Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performances, and he captures a lot of the kind of uh, vocal patterns of Bruce Willis and sort of his mannerisms and overall cockiness. Mm-hmm. You know, despite all the makeup, he, he doesn't really look like him. It's not something like, um, like Men in Black 3 where Josh Brolin is just uncannily channeling uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. So it's not like that. Um, but it's a really good movie, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, so we'll, that comes out at the end of the month, but it premiered this week at Toronto Film Fest. That Ryan Johnson's going places. That young man, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> he was actually a great interview. Um, I talked to him at uh, at WonderCon about Looper, and you know he talked about how much makeup he had to he had to sit in that chair every day, and then he studied the crap out of Bruce Willis. Like, yeah. was watching Bruce Willis. You know, he would go get a line read from Bruce Willis and then mimic it and sit in his dressing room and, like, think about it. And, yeah. you know, like, he was really, like, putting porn himself into this movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see the results. Um, you know, just to circle back for a minute to God of War, another thing they were saying was that uh, they want to spend more time on Kratos but before he becomes the ghost of Sparta so that you really care about him when this thing, you know, when right. all this happens to him. Which is a problem in the game, I think. Yeah. You know, it is a pure action game, but there's not... Um, a whole lot of heart and soul there. Um, and he's kind of a dick of a character. Yeah, too. yeah. So I mean, it's a it, it's a good impulse to do that because he's a badass character. But you can't only just have a badass character. It's gonna yeah. be a nothing movie. Uh, you know, they 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 want to give him a, a bit broader of a range of human emotions, so he's not you know <laughs> not, static, not just rage and kill. Yeah, and then they want to also build up the character of Ares. Hmm. Uh, so those were just my my points on that um now just to talk about some some sad news michael clark duncan passed away this week he was 54 years old he had had a heart attack in july and he passed away from uh complications from all that um real sweetheart of a guy i got to interview him once did you ever have a chance to meet him i don't think i did if i did it was very briefly on like talladega nights or something but I, i don't think i ever did yeah he was a very nice guy i interviewed him for Street Fighter Legend of Chung Lee and he was, you know, nominated for an Oscar for Green Mile as best movie, best performance, all that. But, you know, it's it, he for a guy whose career was only about 14 years long, I mean, everybody knew who that guy was. He had yeah. that voice, everything. It's just it's a it's a real bow shame. Your head. Yeah, bow your head. He, you know, he's one of the best things in that Planet of the Apes yeah. movie. Uh I liked him as Kingpin in Daredevil. Yeah. Um you know, I'll, I'll be honest, he didn't have a lot of great movies to his credit. You know, he had Green Mile. He had, uh, you know, I mean, Armageddon and Talladega Nights are fun, but Green Mile was probably his only like great movie. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought he was really funny in Talladega Nights. Actually, yeah. and I thought like I wanted to see him do more comedy after that. Yeah, um, because I thought he he actually nailed that. Um, but yeah, I mean, really sad. I, I saw some comment um, over the weekend where somebody was completely. Uh, mixing him up with Ving Rhames, who's like, best thing about Pulp Fiction. I'm like, 
You are oh, you are so far afield, you're, my you're friend. You're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you are so far afield. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it sucked. I I read that news and it's like, oh. yeah, I had, I had just come out of a movie and I checked my phone and I saw that I'm like, oh man, that's just so sad. Not a good year for that, man. No, nah, a lot a lot of people this year have passed on. Um, uh, oh. While I'm thinking of it, the movie I had walked out of is actually a great film. It's called Robot and Frank, mm. and uh, or as they would have said back in the Twilight Zone, Robot. Um, Robot and Frank, and it reminded me of sort of a lighthearted Twilight Zone episode. And the I don't think the commercials and trailers have quite done it justice. I mean, they're good, but it's about an old cat burglar who is kind of developing dementia. Nice. And so his grown children, played by James Marsden and Liv Tyler, um, you know, are worried about how to take care of him. He's divorced. He lives alone. So his son gets him. It's set in sort of the near future where robots have become uh, essentially butlers. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily sentient life forms or anything right. like that. But it's it's all about how this guy, you know, he needs a project. So he gets his robot butler, and he really doesn't want to be stuck with it, blah, blah, blah. And then he realizes that the robot has no moral compass. He's <laughs> simply there to – he's programmed to help this guy. So they end up – he ends up mentoring him, the robot, <laughs> break into places. So that he, so he's like this 80-year-old cat burglar with his robot accomplice, and it's a really – funny charming movie awesome yeah so if you guys have a chance to see robot and frank definitely go check it out Ooh, i want to do one um and i know you've seen this movie too i just saw it okay. on blu-ray uh headhunters oh it's yeah this, it's this really uh, norwegian good. movie it's got uh i can't i can't pronounce this guy's name nicholas whatever costas mandalore yeah uh, jamie lannister <laughs> yeah Game jamie lannister from, yeah um and it's <laughs> you should say nicholas costas mandalore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly um i'm happy that actually <laughs> reached your eardrums but um so anyway uh it's this movie about this this guy who's kind of uh he's also a thief he's a he's an art thief um and he uh basically i don't want to give he's too a much very white collar kind of yeah. uh businessman exactly who's also an art thief to kind of keep up with his lavish lifestyle and, and it's not thomas crown either it's no. it's a different kind of thing. And, it, and it definitely takes many turns um it's a, it's a really good thriller um and it's it's norwegian so you're gonna have to read but uh but it's it's well worth <laughs> it's the read worth it. um you know the thing that's interesting when you watch that movie and, and here might be a reason to this might be a reason to watch it you will be very suspicious next time you ever go on a job interview with some of the questions they ask you <laughs> yeah. after you see this movie so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's true uh, if that piques your interest go check it out it's headhunters really good movie i saw it on the plane and i was like how did i miss this movie it's so yeah. good it's on blu-ray now it's also on video on demand it's on it's I think it's Netflix streaming as well. Yeah. I also started watching The Hunter last night, but I didn't finish it. The Hunter? The Willem Oh, yeah, Defoe yeah, the movie. Willem Dafoe thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I have the Blu-ray for that. Uh, yeah. I got a screener of it. Um, we're going to have to start wrapping up here in a minute, but I just wanted to uh, mention uh, a couple of quick things. The Cloud Atlas trailer, the new Cloud Atlas trailer is really good. It's really yeah. trippy, but it's either going to be a, an awesome film or the most pretentious mess ever. I don't yeah. know yet which one. It has that um, – I don't know if you've seen 2046, but parts of that movie have is that. Is that the Tim Robbins one? It's uh, – no, 2046 is um, – it's uh isn't it set in china or something it, it it's a it's a yeah, korean made movie i think oh okay um god i can't remember the name of the director now which is like i'm so embarrassed that i even brought it up now <laughs> so much stuff in my head so much stuff in my head you're still Sometimes thinking it... about that women's restroom and uh, Kar Wai. okay um is the director and uh it's sort of a loose spiritual successor to In the Mood for Love, which are, those are two great movies. If you haven't seen them, you should check them both out. But 2046 has this imagery that's similar to Cloud Atlas. Is he the same guy that said, I I saw the devil? No, I think he did Lust Caution. Oh, right, right, right. Um, So, uh, yeah, anyway, you should see 2046, but the visuals kind of of 2046 reminded me of Cloud Cloud Atlas. Well, uh, another one that reminds me a bit of Cloud Atlas was The Fountain, Darren Aronofsky's. 
Got a little um, min- minority report mixed in, and some of the older, you know, some of the future. Even scenes. a little bit of of Watchmen in a way too. That's sort of AI. the way. Yeah, you know. So I'm I'm very curious about it. I I hope they pull it off, and I do love the idea of these actors playing different roles, uh, the, because I think emotionally it creates a through line for you to kind of latch onto. I think right. if they were all different actors, I think it'd be kind of tough to balance everything that's going on. But when you, you, you're going to help carry these emotions from sequence to sequence then. So. It's also a collaboration with Tom Twyker of run Lola run fame. Yeah. So, um, that in and of itself is another interesting component. Yeah. I'm curious to see which segments he directed and which ones they did. Um, so I think we're going to have to start wrapping it up here. Uh, let's talk about what's opening up this week. It's another uh, dog shit weekend. <laughs> uh, we have uh, the words, which is uh, Bradley Cooper, your your favorite, and um, Zoe Saldana, uh, and then the cold light of day, which is Henry Cavill and Bruce Willis and Sigourney Whoa. Weaver. That one's only opening up on fifteen hundred screens, and it came out in the UK months ago. Yeah, that's weird. You know, so it's it's uh, it is odd, that I, and I have not seen one TV spot for it. So it's very strange to see that basically get dumped. And then the thing that might be of most uh, interest to you guys: Raiders of the Lost Ark for one week being released in IMAX starting Friday. Uh, I actually happened to uh, see a press screening of it in IMAX. Here's the thing: I don't think it's true IMAX. Well, it can't be, right? Like, it, to be true IMAX, you have to be shot in IMAX, right? Like, um, Or at least, I think you at least have to be shot in like 70 millimeters. Really what it is, is Raiders really, really big. Right? And and cleaned up <laughs> yeah. print and sound. And it's, it, it, look, it's great. Yeah. It's go see it. It's amazing. Look, if you're going to choose between that and Oogie loves. What a conundrum this weekend. <laughs> I mean, what's even going to be in first place? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the possession because America they love themselves some devil movies or demon movies. Uh, I'm gonna say possession number one with. I think it's gonna be a just total ass wipe of a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. I'm gonna say possession eight million number one with eight million. Oh, wow, that is a terrible uh, weekend. And then I think the words second place. I'm gonna say about seven million. And then I think lawless third place five million. I think indie will. I think indie because it's going to be on. I, I don't know the exact theater count, but it's hundreds of yeah of IMAX screens. I think, I think it's, it's going to make about three or four million though. Yeah, I think it might be in the top, you know, five, seven. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be just amazing because it's thirty years ago. I think the words is <laughs> going to be number one with nine million. Okay. Which is not that auspicious. Possession second with seven million, um, and then I think Expendables two is going to come in with about. Uh, what did it do last weekend? It did eight. eight. I think about four or five. Probably about five. I don't think Lawless is gonna is gonna hang. Um, yeah, so. I'm I'm gonna I want to see that, but there weren't really any good reviews of Lawless, which is a real bummer because uh, I like Hillcoat and I like Tom Hardy. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not a Shia hater like a bunch of other no, people. No, I'm not either. And and also I think. Uh, but I do wonder how long until he talks shit about this movie. I don't know though. I mean, I think I think. He has a problem with the studio system. I don't think he has a, as much of a problem with people, you know, making movies like this. You know, yeah. so it's like it might be an interesting failure on his part, but I don't think he's going to bash it. All right, guys. Well, that'll about do it for this week's podcast. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Give us uh, some props over there. Shoot us your reader email at keepingitreal at ign dot com. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll catch y'all next time.